0: Hi there, and welcome to Everyday Wonder, a New Orleans-based podcast where we have the conversations we all want to have these days, but can't, because, well, COVID-19 has closed all our bars. I'm Brett Will Taylor, and I am here with my Everyday Wonder co-host, Renee Peck.
1: Hello, Brett Will.
0: Hello, Renee. It is good to see you virtually. And a reminder to all of our listeners, we are sheltering in place and podcasting from a distance. So we're doing all this via Zoom. Bear with us if we have uh, audio problems or or glitches, but we're glad you're here. Um, You know, we like to quote Dolly Parton around here at Everyday Wonder. And in particular, we love her line that goes, We cannot change the wind, but we can adjust the sails. Now, we're not sure if Dolly actually said that, but we attribute it to her because it sounds like something Dolly Parton would say, and who doesn't love a little Dolly in their lives, especially these days when the winds of COVID-19 has caused all of us to adjust and readjust our sails. We want to ask if age has anything to do with how we adjust not only our sails, but also society sales in this time of a new coronavirus. Joining us are two guests at the extreme ends of the age equation, um, or almost extreme. We did ask a few two-year-olds to join us, but they actually are busy and having fun during these days. So as a runner-up, we invited Catherine Peck uh, to join us. Catherine is newly 30, um, and we also invited our resident elder, um, Calvin Johnson, who is, he, well, Calvin is not 30. Um, he's over there somewhere in his 70s. And in between, we have Renee in her 60s, me in my 50s, and our producer, Daryl, in his 40s. So hello and welcome to all of you.
2: Hello, Brad Will.
0: Even you, Calvin. Um, Now, obviously, when you talk age and uh, coronavirus, there is seriously and literally a life and death angle here. Between February 1st and the end of last week, there were 102 known corona deaths from the ages of 35 and younger, 102 people. 35 and younger have died of corona since February 1st. In contrast, during the same people, 8,804 Americans ages 55 and up have died. Now, Calvin, you are smack dab in the middle of that latter group. Um, so um, sometimes it is worth stating the obvious or asking, how does that statistic make you feel?
2: It just makes me so more uh, conscious of my own mortality. When you when you see uh, people, y- your peers, people you know, uh, people you've known, people who are close to you in age, either on either side of that age, but close to you in it, and you see them dying and you know that they are hospitalized and you know all of that that you now you know, you can't help but, but think in terms of your own mortality. You can't help but think about the fact that, that, um, that my own death comes. There's a, there's a poem that um, um, Amari Baraka, I'm mispronouncing his name. There's a stanza there that goes, it's your own death you saw. It's your own face stiff and raw. And it and it is, and when we when we at least my my we think in terms of where we are right now in this country on this earth, it's our own death we're looking at. It's it's just clearly there. It was always there. Keep in mind. I mean, this is the irony. It was always there, always in the sense that I'm I'm I'm. If it's if it's three score and ten, I'm past that. So I mean, and if it's if it's what my life expectancy is is i'm right pushing what my life expectancy is i mean in good days and sun shining and and i'm doing everything i can do to to live long and prosper still death comes but this thing now that we see it makes us makes us think clearly about our mortality.
0: you know you said something to me a week or so ago which i just love it's so you and i think it um it puts both a serious but joyful and graceful um, take on this. And you said, look, I know I'm old, but I want to be clear. I want to be older. That's my goal.
3: (laughs) That's my goal.
0: Yeah, 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 I love it. So Kat, um, from where you sit, um, are you afraid of dying? Is that your biggest issue? Is that your biggest thing with COVID-19? Or do you have other responses?
3: Um, that's a great question. Uh, I actually think that I already had coronavirus <laughs> about a month ago. Um, I got really sick and it was really when all of this started happening. Uh, I went to urgent care. They unfortunately did not have coronavirus testing there at that time. I tested negative for the flu, never found out what I had. But you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll know with an antibody test, maybe I won't know. But I think um, in my age group, I think there's less pressure and, um, you know, I'll probably get really sick. Um, It'll probably be really horrible. But, you know, I probably won't have to go to the hospital uh, and be on a ventilator, that kind of thing. Um, But there, I mean, there is a fear of loved ones who are older and, you know, being worried about their safety and health during this. So I would say that that's probably my biggest concern. You don't want to kill me. Thank you very much. (laughs) I was
0: going to say, in full disclosure, we should mention that Catherine Peck, a.k.a. Cat Peck, is the daughter, the youngest daughter of Renee Peck. So, yeah. so you have just insured yourself some wonderful Christmas gifts by saying... There,
1: there you go. I'm not Catherine taking you out of the world at this
0: point. I've uh, been actually
3: very strict with them. I, I ask them if they wipe their groceries down. I tell them not to leave the house.
0: How does, you know, your father is a pretty type A guy. How does your dad mm-hmm. do when you tell him what to do?
3: He does not love sitting still, so he finds an excuse to leave the house about every day. But you know, it's interesting, Brett, Will,
1: that there's some role reversal here, and that is instead of me telling my kids what to do, they're telling me what to do, and I like it. Um, I would just assume soon leave uh, the management of all of this to to the younger generations. I, I was interested in this uh, conversation because I have seen so much in the press and so much online, so much in social media that's pitting millennials against baby boomers. Um, and the baby boomers are uh, are, are scoffing at the, the youth and the callowness of the millennials and the millennials are scoffing um, at the baby boomers and and the fact that they're just not with it these days. And so I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about this, not just because of the mortality issue, which is huge, but also because of the perception of how generationally this is a different it's a different trauma for a lot of us. Um, in different ways. It's a collective trauma. We've talked about that. We all feel it. We all know it. But it does impact us in different ways. And I, I think the memes that pit the baby boomers and the millennials against each other are hilarious. You know, the the baby boomers are sitting there saying, well, you can't even write in cursive writing. What do you know? And the millennials are saying, well, you can't even turn on your computer. What do you know? And um, and then, of course, you and Daryl fall right in between with Generation X. And, uh, and then after Catherine, there's Generation Y. And then now they're talking about a new baby, baby boomlet that will come out of this coronavirus quarantine, which will be the quarantines or something. I don't know. But um, but I love the way we we define people in our country by their generation and we attribute characteristics to them by their generation. And I just wonder if maybe that makes us deal with or perceive this in different ways, not so much because of the, the prospect of getting it but because some of us have mortgages and student loans and others are retired and can sit back and kick up their feet on the porch. So that kind of is what
0: interests me about it. So Daryl, what do you think about that?
4: Uh, she's right. Um, it, it, from a financial standpoint, I've, I'm glad I'm at this point in my life. Um, I'm, I, did, I, I played my cards pretty straight and uh, we just, we got so lucky. We were selling a house in this process And like days before it went into the effect, like, you know, all the lockdowns, we closed on the house that we, our other house, it was our first house that we owned. So we were able to take care of that. If it wouldn't have happened that way, we would have been more in financial trouble. But I'm glad I'm in a stage in my life where I'm more financially secure when this could have happened versus being in my early twenties or my thirties. Uh, I am on that cusp though, that is like, you know, you can worry about death because I'm in my 40s. I'm just starting to turn into my mid 40s, so uh, there's a youth and hubris in me that's just like, oh, if I get it, I'm going to kick it because I feel like I'm still 20, you know. But the reality is, Don't I'm lie, not. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not anymore, and uh, I have advanced in age, and you know, uh, it puts into question some of you know how I've been living my life. Am I the most healthy stage I need to be in right now? And things of that nature. So, I my age is. plays a lot into how I'm handling this actually right now.
0: You know, it's interesting. I I talked to a friend of mine, um, a week or so ago and she had this interesting take on it, which was, have you thought about how your life has prepared you for this? Um, and, and it got me thinking I'm in my mid fifties. I'm a gay man in my mid fifties. And, you know, to me, uh the element that or not the element to me the event that prepared me for this in a way was AIDS and the early days of AIDS. Going back to Calvin, something you said, um, you know, those weren't numbers of people dying. Those were that was my face. I was dying. My brothers were dying. And so it was very personal. And um, you know, when I first realized that it it was very disorienting and upsetting Um, but where I got with it going back to this idea of preparation was where my community and then many communities um, went um, fairly soon into AIDS was you go to a place of strength Um, you go to a place of determination um, to carry on and um, you know it's interesting We, we spend a lot of time in our society saying that our formative years are when we are children. Um, And there is certainly some truth to that, though the older I get, um, I just find it's a really great um, opportunity to blame our parents for everything. And, you know, that gets a little tiring, maybe not yet in your 30s, Kat, but I can assure you by your 50s or so, it does get a little old ask you all is is this this idea, I mean, AIDS happened when I was in my 20s. And my other formative event um, or formative thing in my 20s was that I was in national politics. And those have shaped me for the rest of my life. But in the time of a pandemic, I'm so hyper aware of how they shaped me. Um, So I guess I would ask you all, are there events, were there occurrences in your 20s when you were young adults that you think have shaped and prepared you for this?
2: Wow. I, I uh, mean, As you were saying those things, Will, I was thinking in terms of decades, in my own life, in terms of decades, uh, in terms of being uh, 60, or, or being 50, or being 40, or being 30, or being 20. And I, I was uh, my initial thing was, was uh, at, at 30, thinking I, I was immortal. I mean I, I was immortal at thirty. I, I death would never come. I could walk on water. I could I mean I, I was I was at least in my own thought process all there ever was or could be at thirty. But then I was forty and I and my God, now I'm forty and I thought forty was old. And my Lord, help me! I'm forty years old. I mean, my God, of aging. I'm forty years old, and I saw gray hair. And I, oh my God! I mean, I'm—I mean, I'm looking like my dad. I'm, I'm, my, my Lord, what's happening? And then I was fifty, and I was thinking, well, you know, fifty is not really. It's not that bad. Not that old. It's not that old. It's just not, it not. that bad. And then I was sixty, and I was thinking I'm having fun, but look, look like time is just passing so quickly that I can't get a hold now of time. And then I'm seventy, and then I'm thinking again. I'm back in on. Uh, I'm back as Daryl said in terms of where he is. I mean, life is good. I'm seventy years old. I'm I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm, you know, I can make I can make uh, some people really happy. I can make some people really sad, and both is joyful for me. And so it's, it piss off others. Yes, it's, it's all it's all good. And then of course, here we are with this thing. And then it, and then it's I guess I'm now back to my god. in what's happening in my life? Twenty though for me. All I can think about is 20s. I, I outlived it. But Catherine, you're
0: 30. Um, I will resist the temptation to say, so you're a baby or you're really young. But I, guess I just said it, so sorry. Um, but, you know, so you're close to your 20s or teens. Has anything happened in your life, large or small, that you feel like has prepared you for this or influenced how you responded?
3: Yes, definitely. Um, I would say being from New Orleans, Uh, Hurricane Katrina while I wasn't in my 20s I was a sophomore in high school and it was a very formative time and um, you know I had great parents you know really took Katrina on with humor and um, you know resilience and support and um, I spent a semester in Houston um, at a different high school during Katrina and um, it it was kind of a, a wild time and it and it kind of feels like that now. You almost think like, this isn't happening. This isn't real. Um, I don't see, you know, huge piles of debris in my neighborhood. I don't, you know, see all of this destruction. And it's it, it definitely does have a lot of flashbacks and have a lot of, um, you know, how do we get through this? I think what's scary about this pandemic is um, it's not a singular event. Um, we don't know when this is going to end. We don't know if it's going to be three months from now or two years from now. And I think um, you know Katrina, 911, um, these were huge, massive um, horrible events that um, were extremely traumatic, but again, there was a way to rebuild. And um, a way to approach it with strength, whereas this, um, for me, what I'm having the hardest time with, um, and as a um, current bride whose wedding was canceled from this, (laughs) and trying to plan a new wedding, um, I think just the hardest thing is um, just the length of it, and you know, we just we don't know what's going to happen.
0: You know, I want to go back to something you said. It is not an original thought to say we don't know when this is going to end, but I've never heard someone use the word, but it's also not a singular event. So in other words, 9-11 happened, and then there was the day after. The storm Katrina hit, and then there was the day after. COVID-19 is still actively happening. There are people dying as we speak, and that is hard. And that is hard. And God love you, my dear, for your wedding. And um, and I think in the middle of this, you know, that's on hold. It's not even the trauma of replanning. It's the, the Groundhog Day torture of, is today the day to replan, I assume? Is today the day we make the call? Um, right. So um, so thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that. Daryl, I want to go over to you. And I'm going to ask a leading question, but I'm going to ask it because I think it's an important perspective here um and this goes back to have events or chapters in your life prepared or shaped you for this um and you you're someone who made some very intentional changes to where and how you live just a few years ago and and can you talk about that a little bit and, and how that shaped how you're getting through these days
4: yeah actually like i lost a whole bunch of weight like i lost over 140 pounds and uh it was, it came from a time completely for me where I was a shut-in kind of like this. I was in a place where I couldn't, I did I just went to college and I came home and that's what I did. And eerily that prepared me for now, but it's not in a good way. Like I'm having to watch things. My patterns are slipping back into like it was then. Like, should I be eating this? Am I eating this out of comfort or am I eating this because I'm bored? Or so it's like the monkey that I've had on my back this whole time where I've been able to, cause I got into stand-up comedy I turned into an extrovert. I had to work very hard to turn from an introvert into an extrovert and took my life on stage and started telling people about it and got open with the world and it was this beautiful experience. Now all of a sudden all of that shut down and I'm finding myself feeling like I'm that kid again that's locked inside of his house during college that's just trying to eat away his cares again. So it's been really tough for me to try to get a handle on that. It's a day-to-day battle right now for that. Yeah. I hear you. You know,
1: listening to, listening to Daryl and Kat really reaffirms my faith in young people. And, Daryl, I do consider you young. Uh, Calvin and I are <laughs> yeah. in our 70s. What about me? We can say that. Uh, you're younger, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> No. But um, but I do I do think that where we come from shapes us. And um and I do think and, and and Catherine is right, she was the one of all my children most affected by Katrina, and she met it with resilience and fortitude, um, in a in a way that probably did prepare her for this. Perhaps more more than others, but I think that when we were born and the time we were born also influences who we are. Just like geography, where we were born influences who we are. I think all of us have deep ties to New Orleans, and that that creates to a certain extent who we are and how we react to things. And I think our generation does too. Um, I think that uh, I was born at a time where um, where we we saw a lot of change. We uh, we had a war and we had feminism, we had civil rights, we we tried to change politics, we tried to reinvent the world, we were idealistic. Um, we were also accused of being very materialistic because we, we learned that we could make jobs and we had the American dream. And then the generations that came after had other... Qualities of their era or aspects of their era that shaped who they became and that's why I think the millennials are being are said to be i mean Daryl's is the latchkey generation you raised yourself, nobody cared about you, so you know that you have to do things on your own and then the the uh, the millennials are the are the ones that were very helicopter parents and child focused and scheduled and and dual working families and children of divorce and so I think all of that help shape who we are. And although we are all individuals and proud of be, being individuals, I think, I think where we come from as well as when we come from uh, uh, gives, us, gives us some sort of um, definition of how we meet the world and how we deal with crisis. And, um, and I will say what I have said many, many times, and that is I am quite comfortable leaving this and every other problem in the world to Catherine's generation, to Daryl's generation, and to your generation, Brett Will, uh, because I think that all of you have shown fortitude and ability to handle it. And I think Calvin would agree with me there. Right, Calvin?
2: Oh, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree on so many different levels. I'm, I am so impressed. I think we we do a disservice to, to uh, that younger generation in terms of criticizing so much of what they do. And we don't recognize the, the fact that they believe in so much of what we historically believed in. They they believe in rights, they believe in treating people correctly, they believe in women being treated as as, as human beings, as equal, as the same as. They they actually believe in those things and they operate from that perspective. They actually do. They believe in, in the notions, they believe in so much. Now they may have they may have problems explaining it in in words and deeds that my generation can appreciate and understand because my generation keep getting in the way with that and in terms of its own issues. But when you look really at who they are and how they are and why they are and what they're doing, I mean, you can't help but be impressed. More impressed with them, to be honest with you, than my generation was actually if you go back 40 years or 50 years. But more impressed with them. But I want to ask
0: Catherine <clears throat> and Carol, I want to ask you all, do you believe in those same things? Um, and, and how do you feel about um, what will be really an unprecedented burden on your two age groups to clean up messes that um, earlier generations kicked down the field or punted? Um, because well, well, the
2: earlier messes that we made. Now keep well, in mind, you're now called you clean up shit that we did. Yeah, maybe you maybe shit some you did, but but racism existed
0: before you were alive. I mean, I think you didn't get it done. It, it hasn't been done, and that and and we all knew that. I
1: think COVID I think clean. poverty, educate. I think bad education, poor health care. I think those are things that that did come out of earlier generations that we have left younger generations. Yeah,
0: but, but I guess my question is, um, we knew that need, we knew it was going to be on 30-something, 40-somethings, 20-somethings, even my group, to continue to bend that arc of, to bend that arc of injustice, um, of unfairness um, towards justice. Um, but now that need is so exacerbated. Um, and because the numbers are overwhelming of people who are dying or in need. And so Catherine and, um, and Daryl, how do you all feel about having that put on you? Do you want it? Are you ready? What do you think about it?
4: I don't think it's a matter of wanting it or being ready for it. It's just how it is. You know, it's more of a, a matter of acceptance and just, you know, I think that's the Gen X answer in me, honestly, because it's, you know, we never really get, uh, Renee explained earlier that we were angry about stuff all the time, but we don't know what. You know, so we've been angry about stuff like this for a while. I think we're just used to it, you know. Uh that's the only thing I could say. Like at this point, uh it's been like that clean water stuff like that's been around uh, you know, I remember when I was a kid as early as like remember the ozone was a problem, you know. Right. I remember that being a huge deal. And, uh, it's always been about like, what are you going to hand down to your kids? And, you know, my generation has definitely sat by and watched and found out that not much, you know, <laughs> not much is being handed down and that sucks, you know, and, uh, you know, you hope you can turn it around, but it's a big boat you have to start turning it sooner than what we started. So I don't know if there's a whole lot we can do other than just keep fighting the fight, you know? Yeah. Catherine, what about you?
3: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. Um, I think our generation, um, you know, we're just gonna have to keep moving forward. And I think um, one thing that is just the time that we're in so different the fact that we're on a Zoom call right now and we're all so connected and we're really able to um, stay connected during something like this. I mean, think about 30 years ago if something like this hit it would just be um so completely different and i think that um my generation um there's just been a lot more consciousness in the issues um like you said about inequality gender inequality um those kind of things um i think you know technology has played a huge significant role in um, being informed and staying connected and saying, um, this is what I believe, this is what I think we should do. These are my feelings. Um, we now have tools where you can broadcast your feelings. You don't need to be a journalist. You don't need to be a politician. You can share with the world how you feel. Um, I think that, um, just taking that, um, and again, just moving forward is, um, yeah, like how we're going to just have to have to move. (laughs)
0: You know, it's interesting. I am the very beginning of the Gen Xers. I was born in 1965, and um, and so and you know, and now I'm kind of the old side of the Gen Xers. And I've always been a bit of an asshole, or at least kind of crotchety. Um, and so, you know, part of me hears. The voice of your generation, cat. In terms of, it's, you know, we can broadcast our feelings, and there's a part of me that's like, I don't care about your feelings. I mean, I do and I don't. I mean, what I'm thinking about is what action are we going to take um, uh, for where we are? And it's it's interesting um, in the in the shaman world I, I play in, and in other worlds, there is this belief that you not only choose your parents, which can be give you goosebumps and Twitches and such if you think about it this idea that not only do you choose your parents, but you also choose when You're gonna be born you choose when you're gonna be in this life um, and so to me That means we chose this moment We chose to be here this moment um, And I think it is a moment and I think um you know, what society tells us, not modern society, but human society um, tells us, or civilization, is um, we'll rise up.
1: But I think that's exactly what Kat is saying, is that her generation does go to the world virtually and vote and say and talk and post, and that is action that is not a passive thing. Um, That's true. That's true. Yeah, and I and I hope I did not choose this moment Brett Will. I really respect all of your shamanistic no. brilliance and perception and crystal ball, but uh but god damn, if I picked Katrina and Coronavirus, so I I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that says about me.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you know, but I got to so I'll tell you something. I'll go back to something um you know, I, I, I think some of us. I'm not saying you. I don't think any of us, actually, on this on this particular conversation, subscribe to the notion that life is supposed to be that life is supposed to be love and light and puppy dog tails or cat tails or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think any of us are wired that way. But there's a lot of people who that's what they think. Is it's like, well, why would I have chosen the pain or the sorrow? But I go back to something Kat said about you and Stuart Renee, which is you made sure to keep humor part of life going through Katrina. And so perhaps that's part of why you're here. I mean, it's not just a, a, a personal choice. It's a collective choice, a societal choice. And, um, you know, believe me, I've thought about that. I was a kid who they thought was going to die before I was 10. And then just when I was barely steady on my feet about being a gay man, a, a plague came and started killing all of us. And that was at a time where I lived in a state that the public, Texas Department of Public Health seriously put forth a position that they would quarantine all gay men in the state. Um, and now here I have COVID-19. Um, but I do think we come into life, whether you believe we choose it or, or choose our time or not, I do think, at least among the five of us, there's a, a, a version of we're here not only to evolve personally, but to contribute Um, collectively, to contribute to society? And I guess that's my question. And it may be too early for any of us to say, wow, as I watch this, this is where I want to focus. But I just wonder if any of you have specific thoughts yet on what you're going to do, you know, how you're going to contribute or serve as we get to the other side.
1: No, I, I mean, I, I I, think we're all living day to day at this point. And yep. I think we're all, as Catherine said, trying to wonder what it's going to look like if there's another side, when there's another side, will there be another side? So in some ways, I think that's premature. I do like the idea that we all come into this world with a purpose. Um, and I and I. I hope that we do have a purpose. And if our purpose is to bring humor to someone else's misery, I think that's a good enough purpose for any one of us, uh, no matter what generation we're from or what our formative years taught us. Um, And I think we're all just trying to be better human beings. And I think that all of us are from different ages, different, different generations, have different aspirations, and have very different reactions physically to this, to this catastrophe, Uh, whether you have a mortgage, what your financial thing is, did you lose your job? I'm, I I think that there, the impact of this is different, but I think as human beings, we're going to try to, to respond to it in, in cross-generational ways that unite us rather than separate us. I hope so anyway.
0: Yeah. And so, Catherine, I also want to ask you, you know, this isn't all about um, metaphysical questions or finances or healthcare. care, um, though your mother likes to sometimes say, all I do is think metaphysically. But, um, but um, you know, the reality is, I mean, there's a there's a social aspect to this. There's an everyday aspect. Is What are you missing or how has this changed your day to day life? Other than the fact you've literally left your home, Um but in terms of patterns, behaviors, I mean, are there things that this has changed or, or that you think might change you long term?
3: Um, yeah, definitely. Um, something my mom and I were joking about earlier is about how um, my friends and people generally my age group, we love experiences. We love to travel. We love to go to brunch um your, you you know, other gay. generations <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah we we love to do things um i mean i also live in new york where i have a tiny 500 square foot apartment so we kind of have to get outside and do things um but yeah i mean the uh, the reality has changed drastically Um, Working from home is a very strange experience when I'm used to going into an office every day and having to conduct business over Zoom calls and, um, you know, figuring things out with a phone call instead of just in person um, has, you know, really drastically changed my workflow. And, um, yeah, I mean, the new reality is we had a Zoom call with our friends on Saturday night and played games via zoom um you know so it's, we're a very social um kind of group and and just like experiencing the world um is something that we're really missing and um, and maybe for the better maybe i'm saving a bunch of money now so maybe maybe it's not all hey, is lost
0: <laughs> you know calvin as as you take all this in as we near the end of this um what are your thoughts i mean would age influence how we experience this
2: but I tell you guys, it, it is just so interesting at this stage of I it. Mean, I tell you, I was going way back to a terms of our conversation. Will, just in passing, uh, just 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 uh, sh- shared the fact that in some instances, uh, some people might think him a, and he used a a, a term of art, start with an a s s and it ends with ho and they used that term of art, and I was thinking that that um, that may that may apply to to, to so many of us. So many of us, including my one of us, in terms of how we are at this stage of life and how we are at this point of life, in terms of, in terms of, again, did we choose to be here now? And and and, and I and and I share Renee your view of Will and his shamanistic tendencies. <laughs> but I mean, sometimes I mean I want to say Will really seriously, bro, really. But did we choose? this point in this thing of called life to be here now so we can have something to do with how we go forward, how we, and, and, and for, for the Catherines of the world, how we can at least help to shape what this world will truly look like as others before us help to shape what the world will look like for, for us. And in, in essence, did so in some fashion or form. And, and we go back in our own lives, we can probably find folk who, who had that kind of influence on us in terms of shaping how we thought, uh, how we went at things, what we considered, in terms of shaping it. And so here we are now, at this point in time, with an opportunity to shape what, what Catherine's future will look like which is to say what what our children and our grandchildren's life or future will look like. We We may well have a part to play in this. And it well may be opportunity to wake up in the morning, guys, and hear the birds and to look at the sky and to see the clearness of it and to know that so much of it is because we are not polluting it to the same extent we were even in the city of New Orleans or to look at other places even that was more impacted with pollution than New Orleans ever was, but to see the fact that, well, you know something, wait a minute, you know, clean air may not be a bad thing, you know, maybe and maybe then that we can start to think around how we can go forward in this new normal because we will never be the same again. And we will never be the same again. And that the idea that we're going to go back to where we were, no, we ain't never going back. That, just forget that. We will never be the same again. But maybe in the new normal, maybe this is opportunity, as harsh as this, this reality is day to day, but the new opportunity for us to change how we are as people, to truly change how we are as people. And that may be what we can help Catherine's generation do is to change how we really are as people.
0: Yeah, I do, and, and, and you know, it's interesting, Catherine. Listening to you, um, uh, I think of my partner, who is just about your age, and um, so a lot younger. But one of the things I am so grateful about having my partner in my life for, um, or one of the reasons I'm so grateful to have my partner in my life, is that whether it's you know because of his age or just his perspective that comes from his age. Um, He just keeps me focused on the simple things and the essence of things. And um, it's one of the things I see a lot with the millennials. I think that, um, you know, certainly my group, in part because of what we grew up with or how we grew up, as Daryl said, there's some anger, um, there's indignation, there's judgment, there's righteousness. And those things tend to make things more complicated than they are. And not to imply that there aren't major big issues in our lives, but the reason those major big issues exist, the reason perhaps we don't pay women near what they should be paid, the reason that there are more black people dying of COVID-19 than anyone else, the reasons come from a lack of simple respect and understanding and compassion. And, um, you know, I think, uh, it goes back to what you said, Renee, it's how those are, those get to how we treat each other. And, um, you know, maybe all this, uh, social distancing and, and being sent to our rooms, by the way, by the great goddess mother or somebody, um, will allow us to, to get back to those simple things and, uh, to treat each other a little bit better. Um, and, uh. And as we all say, wouldn't that be a nice thing? And thanks for joining us to our listeners. And thanks, uh, Calvin and Kat and Daryl and Renee for being here. And uh, we will we'll talk to you in another couple days or so on another episode of Everyday Wonder.